Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. For and on the record, I am Brother Priest, Tribe of Judah. Today is April 17, 2017. Is Brother Yakin on the line? I heard Brother Eric. I heard Brother EK. Anyone else on the line? Akwaramia. Shalom, brother. How's it going for you, sir? I'm alive. Yeah, man. We we have a number of people that are going through various things, man, and um, it's uh, highly unusual to the depth of how this is coming about. So, please forgive me for not being able to get back with you yesterday. I just it's really crazy right now. Um, Hey, brother, I know you didn't. Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, it's like more so of having to tend to um, the affairs of others to help get us from one place to the next. But um, you know what? <clears throat> I want to say this. Um, Joaquin is new. He's not here. Right now, obviously. And he's given me uh, a lot of hope in the sense that really I'm telling you, he's a really good soul. And he's the only new individual that we presently have. However, some people are on their way out and we're going to start getting new people in. But this is the type of caliber of people that we're looking for. Brother um, Eric, you there, sir? Yes, sir. How's everything going with you, brother? Doing all right. I have no complaints. That's good, man. That's good. Can you um, offer us some advice on what a man should be doing um, as a man and dealing with his consort and children? Up, uh, 
that's a that's a kind of a hard one now. Reason why I say because uh, it's a lot of different personalities in the house, and you know, you as as being the the head of the house, you have to you know hear hear them out, and uh and then go from there. You know, it's it ain't nothing easy, so you have to just. I say it, it ain't a handbook, so I take it day by day, second by second, and I just advise everybody to, uh, if you're going to do this walk of life, you uh, it, it, it's in dire need that you uh, homeschool your own offspring and the dialect, change your dialect because it only uh, advances them. You know, if they know the proper meaning of words and and origins of words, that thing your your children will respond to you in a in a different way. Or as the consort, uh, that's a that's another thing because that's another personality, but it's one that's of age. So you know you. you just, in the end of the day, I, I say I appreciate it all because there's a lot of relationships out here that's all uh, jacked up. And I knock on wood that that I don't don't have those type of problems, and uh, we just keep striving and work to build one another up, and and you know it's a blessing with that idea. Thank you for that, brother. Like that's that's coming from someone who's living it, and as a man, you have to live that. Brother, have do, do you watch um, or have you watched what's going on with Ti? Uh, the the rapper. Yes, sir. Uh, far as him and his uh, consort. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I heard about it, but I don't really, I don't really follow him like like you know, not in that uh, sense. But I heard about it. Yeah, uh, well, I I was wondering. I've heard about it too. I don't really know the depth of it, but from a from a, a the perspective of men, um, I heard him say something that really took me off guard. Like coming from him, but he was like, he feels like he's a better friend than a husband and he said and this mess started with these pictures and videos of his consort dancing with floyd mayweather and i understand that like i understand this part of it i saw those pictures and i saw them dancing did you see it, Brother Eric? Yes, sir. But what are your thoughts on that? Ah, uh, that's a that that looked like uh, she knew what she was doing. She knew what she wanted to do, and and you know it looked like it wasn't nothing new. It looked like uh, you know, something was going on as far as between him and her in that in that situation. That's how I looked at it with that idea. 
Yeah, she was like really comfortable. And and it, it also kind of looked to me like it might not have just been Floyd Mayweather she'd been doing that kind of stuff with. I'm not accusing her of adultery, but to me, like, seriously, if your woman is conducting herself like that in public where you know everybody knows who she is, I'm sure in her mind she probably said, well, it's just dancing. You know, it's not like they can accuse me of, of sleeping with them. But then it also looked like she was trying to get his attention and anger. Oh, shalom, brother. Peace. You there, brother? Shalom, Check peace. Yeah, yeah. How's everything, sir? Oh, it's pretty good. I'm still at work, so I'm going to put it on mute. Okay. Um. Well, we were just starting off with talking about um, T.I. situation and, you know, it's like there's certain kind of behavior that we as men don't want to have. But um, when sisters do that kind of stuff, it really makes them look worse than... I hate to say it, but it makes them look worse than the man. Like, now, I'm not saying that if T.I. did the same thing with a woman, that it would be okay. That's not what I mean. But in this situation, um, I don't know what sparks T.I. to... um, I don't know what sparked her to go at T.I. like that. But I do know this. This is where we must guard our women. And that is a tough job, particularly for a Negro woman. Now, what's her name? Tiny. She's biracial. So she's not like a real Negro woman. You know, not that she's not, but she's not like a full blood, I guess you could say. Because that that's a different kind of, of woman that you deal with. And they can be very, very difficult. If you really understand their nature, they're, they're, they're easy to comprehend why they do the things they do. But if you don't understand their nature, it really can drive you to some really bad places as a man. And um, as a man, you got to know all women, even if they don't consciously know this, their nature knows that we as men are supposed to be conducting ourselves in a certain kind of manner. They know that. They expect that of us. When we don't Um, produce that then nature's way of telling us where we've gone astray is through her mouth now unfortunately a lot of Negro women don't have tact when it comes to their their mouths 
I'm just saying it straight out. If it doesn't apply to you, don't be offended to those listening in the future. If it does not apply to you, don't be offended. Sisters, don't be so sensitive when we as men have to point out some things you need to correct. You know, and the first thing is that that mouth. I do want to say this. You know what, sisters, there are certain words and certain tonalities you cannot use with men, although you do it, but you cannot use them with men and expect men to not be ready to go to physical blows because we are wired that way. There's certain ways that you talk to us that you shouldn't be talking to us like. So it's it's a button that you push, and a lot of sisters do it intentionally. And I mean, just to make him angry. And then if you point this out to them, if you flipped it around on them and did things to them to make them angry, they'll point that out to you, and you'll be the scum of the earth. <laughs> but you point it out to them, and then all of a sudden it's okay that they do it. And it's not okay. Because doing to others as you had them doing to you. And the whole point is, is like, we can't make these excuses. Well, I'm a man. I can do this. I'm a man. I can sleep around with a thousand women because they're going to be my, my wives and I'm polygamous. B.S. If you sleeping around with a thousand women, that's not being a man. That's being a fool. Because you got to take responsibility for each and every one of those women that you've dealt with. And if you don't even know how to deal with one, you don't. You definitely are not going to know how to deal with two. Believe me, or three or four or more, you're not. And if you make it strictly about how she looks, you try to make her a trophy, try to make her. Um, Anything other than a partner, if you just try to classify them as anything other than a partner, you're going to run into some trouble. Now, and or what I mean is, look, let's say she's a straight-out tramp, right? And you deal with her like a tramp. If you notice, she might know how low down and dirty she is. But she doesn't want you to treat her like that. If that makes sense. Like, she'll know she's a whore. She'll know she's a, a slut. And if you treat her like how you think sluts and whores should be treated, she doesn't want that. If you treat her like if she's a whore or a slut, you try to treat her like she's a respectable woman, you get another kind of problem on your hands. And I'm saying this from this perspective. We don't have to mistreat women or talk to them out of their name, put our hands on them or physically abuse them. You just got to stick to uh, emotional control first. 
followed with clarity and reasoning of mind. I just had to get that out because we need to be consistently as brothers being mindful of our dealings with women. Brother Yakin, anything you want to ask before I get started? Um, so I just want to say that uh, that's very particular that you're talking about that now because um, me and Rayon was having a conversation about that about about a day or two ago. Because uh, I was having some problems with my um my spouse, and I was talking to say trying to say some of the same things about you know women and their mouth and the way she speaks and getting loud and things like that, and I was also to tell her, you know, you know, she's not totally to blame for nothing. You know, I'm not saying that I work on too as a man, but I would feel like, you know, she should respect me more as a man and let me do what I'm supposed to do without, you know, all the backlash and all that stuff. So I just thought it was just particular that you were talking about this now, which is um, pretty good. Praise the Lord. Well, well, the thing is, is that, I mean, our brothers are getting beat up by these sisters unjustly. I mean, in in one faction, it it is just because collectively we failed as, as being men. Collectively. We have failed. And the main problem is there's no genuine general consensus across the board with our brothers of how they're supposed to play their role as men and conduct themselves as men, except for all of the negativity of passing women around like they're dish rags and using them like public urinals. You know, like that is more prevalent in the minds of our brothers than anything else. Or then you got these Negroes talking about the the woman is God, this madness. You know, like God in itself, the word is even masculine. So why would you, that's what makes no sense to me. I could see if you were going to try that, at least say she's a goddess. But you putting a masculine principle on a woman, I mean, this is insanity. <laughs> insanity. Uh, that's like calling a woman a king. And and then you put that in her mind. Now, what do you think that's going to do to her mental condition and her um, her sexuality? Call a young girl a king from the time she's young till she grows up. Put masculine terminology on her and masculine principles on her. And what do you think she's going to turn out to be? She's going to be confused as hell, and she might be a lesbian. In the same with men in reverse. Call a young boy a queen. <laughs> and, and the crazy thing is, for me, sisters will sit there and let these brothers call them God. And it, it doesn't mean, it, there's no sense of conflict. Now, how much common sense can you have 
when I'm telling you the same people that let them do this, the sisters, you know and I know, they all know that there's a word out there called goddess. But they let these men, these chumps, call them God. That's crazy. But anyway, our women need us collectively to be strong in how we deal with them, not abusive, not verbally or mentally or physically abusive, not dictators. And I'm not saying all women are the same. I'm not, they have the same nature, but they don't all have the same behavior. That's the difference. They don't. And sisters, anybody, sisters, if you listen in the future, don't be offended. Because you know, when I beat up on our brothers, a lot of you cheer me on. Yeah, go ahead, brother priest. Tell them how no good he is. Oh, but when the, when the tide turns on pointing out what you are doing, and then some of you can't handle it. And I'm not saying I'm Mr. Perfect or I got it all together. I'm not saying any of that. I'm going strictly off of manhood principles. It's taught by scriptures. It's taught by our culture. And it's passed down. But brothers, we cannot win at any time in dealing with sisters. And we are too emotional. And we cannot win any time dealing with sisters. And we don't have the principle of commitment. A lot of times her disappointment in us is our lack of commitment. I want to show you all something about people that have come into the nation. Brothers have come into the nation looking to, or they've tried, some of them have come in and some of them have tried, looking to run from child support to run from it, looking to get some get-rich-quick scheme, looking to do something like um, escape felonies and misdemeanors and driver's license stuff. And none of that is set up for us to escape it particularly as a man, is set up for us to confront it and deal with it. There's no way in the world that you as a man should ever not know how to go get a lease for an apartment or a car, open up a, a banking account, how to put stuff in the mail and use stamps, We should know these everyday life things. And if you're not being taught it by whatever they call a religion, they are not being taught manhood, and they definitely are not being taught godhood. They're not. So this is heavy on my heart because I don't want to see our brothers to continue to go through what we go through with these women, be they mother, sister, aunt, 
cousin, girlfriend, consort, wife, whatever. It's they don't they don't really a lot of them don't really show any type of compassion for our feelings. Now I understand it in this aspect. She knows that she's here to help strengthen us. But sometimes, you know, um, our own women, they abuse us. They help to continue the abuse that is on us. Now, now I'm not saying all of them, but you just don't feel defeated as a man or a young man. Don't feel defeated. Don't feel discouraged. Get your mind fixated on what you have to do as a man and keep it on that. Because if you start listening to some of the stuff she'll tell you, you know, if she's a good, solid, real, loyal woman, that's different because those type of women are not going to say some of the things that these knuckleheads in the street are going to say. Like, you ain't no man. You ain't going to never be nobody. Your daddy wasn't nothing, you ain't gonna never be nothing. What kind of being is that? You stupid. You know how I many Negro women I hear saying to somebody that they are in a relationship that he's stupid, but you're in a relationship with somebody that's stupid, so you chose to be with him, so that reflects on you as well. Sisters, are, they can be very wonderful when they are cooperative and, and, and understanding, you know. Um, but we as men, um, we have to be able to deal with some of their emotional ups and downs without feeling threatened, without feeling taking it personally. And it's hard to comprehend, like, because she'll say certain things to you that if a brother said, you just outright just punch him in the face. <laughs> but she'll say certain things to you, and it's like, wait a minute, I thought this woman cared about me. Like, what is she saying here? She's insulting me and trying to incite me to violence. That's how we're interpreting it, sisters. And you all got to get a grip. Anyway, listen, the nation is set up like this. We have tribes of Aboriginal nations. We have that as our conglomerate. And what we did, we took the 613 Law, Statutes, and Commandments placed them into basically a preamble form and we took that and made that a constitution, the 613 Law, Statutes, and Commandments and put that on the record with the IRS. Why the IRS? The IRS are the global bankers. And everything that goes on in commerce, 
that is digital and modern, their hands are in it for the most part. There are a couple of um, Islamic countries that are not directly dealing with the IRS in that capacity, but they still have to deal with them in other capacities. So when you make that um, notice to the IRS, they have that in their records. Basically, it's private, but they let everybody know of your existence. That's in the commercial world. Underneath that, we have Temple of the Most High. So we got tribesofabrizonations.com, templeofthemosthigh.org. The Temple of the Most High is designed for this nation as a political asylum and a temple, meaning that um, we have loved ones and relatives that might need rescue. They might need some type of different type of help. And as we're doing this, we're setting up study groups. And we can get registered members for our temple. Not the physical temple, but the study group temple. And as people learn and grow, even if they don't know, it could be any type of catastrophe or emergency they can come and get with you who's a member of this nation and we can record them and give them some type of protection and um, just like any political asylum would. There's a lot more to it, but I'm just skimming over the surface for Jaquin's sake and for people in the future. Presently, we have a cabinet administrator, but which is Brother Priest. We have Ima Yaruf, admissions clerk. We have ministers Shedrick, Lynn, and um, Bernard. Bernard is minister of communications. Lynn and Shedrick are in the priesthood. A minister is an agent. They're an agent of a government. They're not preachers. But there are ministers that preach, yes. But they're not preachers. Technically, I'm an administrator and a minister, and I was in the priesthood as I was trained. And um, but for this uh, nation, I'm an administrator, just helping to oversee that we build this thing properly, get everybody properly educated, and as we raise our people up and raise government up, and be able to put people in positions and gather more properties and things like that, um, we can move into an electoral process, which will allow individuals to cast electoral ballots and um, elect our officials, our ministers, 
um, even churches even kind of do like do that because some churches they can vote in a pastor or vote them out. So they have that some of that capacity there. But the point that I'm trying to make is that um, we're educating the people first, making sure that they've got a solid mental grasp on it so that they can operate proficiently, but they also have to have this, this, the, uh, pr- the proper behavior. We can't just have loose cannons. And you're going to be put to the test. There are some people that are on leave. You can take a leave of absence, but you have to serve uh, notice to admit admission and let EMA know, hey, I need to take a leave. I need to be gone for this amount of time, which is your projected time. If you need longer than your projected time, you have to check back in with EMA before your time is up. Let her know I need more time in order to keep your your place in the nation, your membership in the nation. If you have to take a leave because you are having an economic struggle, you have to place a leave of absence with a hardship. Otherwise, if you take a leave, you're expected to pay dues, just like you were in class on a regular basis. If you go an extended amount of time without paying dues, you go 90 days without paying dues and make no effort to um, to uh, put in a hardship, then you have a problem. Is my TV's on the line? I see Alex and I see somebody else in the line. Who's in South Georgia, Southwest Georgia? Shalom, I'm Eric. Oh, yeah, that's right. Man, what am I thinking? Okay. So you're required to do that. If you have a hardship and you can't pay dues, you're required to put in a hardship and let the let us know you can't pay dues, give us a, a projected amount of time that you think you need. That means that you can still come to class as long as that hardship letter is in and we know that you're on the hardship. Some people have tried to abuse it. Some people have tried to lie. And, you know, if you're going to lie to the to your own people, your own nation, what's the point of you being here? Um, we don't discuss people's individual financial situations, so I'm not going to treat you any differently, and I'm not going to personally tell anybody your business about where you are economically. That's not my place or any of our place to do that. That's up to you as an individual to decide if you want to share that. But I don't think it's unreasonable. I mean, Brother Eric, do, do, do you find any of these things? You've been with us, the two of you have been with us a while. 
but you haven't had to necessarily exercise these things, but does any of this sound unreasonable to you? No, sir. It's just basically uh, in, in what we've been learning is just putting people on notice of your hard times. Uh, that's what I gather from it. And uh, no, it's not uh, hard. I mean, you just, the nation is teaching us to fill out paperwork and hand our business responsible. So if you uh, if you can't do it here, then I guess how they look at it, don't expect you to do it on the outside with that idea. Yes, sir, that's right. When you get a mortgage, um, let me see. Anybody other than Brother Eric had a mortgage? Okay. Maybe I can liken this onto an apartment or something like that, but here's how it works. When you get a mortgage, the first month you move in, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to pay a monthly payment. After the second month is when you pay, it's like 60 days in is when you pay your first payment. That's essentially kind of like a lot of apartments because a lot of times you do first month, last month, and security deposit. So essentially the first month, you don't pay any um, monthly rent. So when you come into the nation, after you pay your initial entry fee, it's 60 days after that when you're required to start paying your monthly dues. So, like, if you came in on the January 1st, you wouldn't be paying um, start monthly dues until March 1st, as long as your initial member entry fee is paid. What do you say, Brother EK, to somebody that would say, why should I have to give a projected time for my return on the leave. Shalom. Um, yeah, you know, if an individual is stating that, then it's like um, it's really fostering accountability and responsibility. Like um, it's the same thing with uh, if someone works for their job, would they tell their employer that? Like why do I have to tell you when I'm, taking a vacation when I'm coming back, you know, like it's for the purposes of if that individual has a responsibility within the nation or, or has a project they're working on, um, you have to denote when they, they have to denote when they'll be leaving and when they'll be coming back. So people can be on, you know, alert as to we can expect this individual's inactivity for this specific time period so we can manage, you know, their absence in terms of what we have to do. So it's really about accountability, really, because um, if we don't know who's coming in and out, it slows things down because that individual may have something important that needs to be done, but since they didn't tell us when they're coming back, it 
shifts responsibility to someone else and it pushes everything back as opposed to, you know. So it's the same thing with, you know, with work, you know, where we work, you know, or in general, like, if you're self-employed, you know, customers want to know, if, you, if you're not going to be around, customers want to know when you're going to be back so they can potentially buy a product you're selling. So it's the same thing all around, you know. It's, it's, it's a concept that is pretty much universal. Like, if you're going to be, if you're, if you're going to, you know, uh, have an extended period of, you know, inactivity, we should just know for just, you know, for the sake of knowing so that way we're able to kind of manage the affairs properly. You know, and um, yeah. So that's that's what I would say. Like, it's really about accountability at the end of the day. So that I hear. Brother Akeem, does any of this sound unreasonable to you? No, sir. It don't sound unreasonable. Uh, Cause I just see it from from my point of view. Where I see it is that it's almost like everything uh, he, he just says, like that you have a responsibility and you have an accountability. So it's better to let, you know what I'm saying, the um, nation know what's going on than to leave everything open-ended and then people have to start guessing. Because truly some people even say that they uh, they have having hardship, but they, but they're really not. They're just not paying. You know? But, you know what I'm saying, I think everything you do, everything that's going on is actually fair. So that's how you do. That's how you handle business, and that's how you handle, you know, say keep everything together. Keep everything together. Um, I'm not the word I'm looking for. I'm not, not sure what I'm trying to say. The word I'm trying to say, but it's, it's how you keep everything. I guess copacetic. Praise the Lord. One moment. So, what do you think, brother? Um, yeah. What do you think about somebody that would say, well, what do you think about somebody that would take a leave and leave of absence and not turn in their projected time of return. What do you think? Well, first of all, I would say that that's irresponsible. Uh, they're irresponsible. They're being irresponsible. They don't know how to actually take care of business itself. Um that's how I would look at it. And okay, let's say they don't. They take a leave. They don't um, put their projected time. We call them and ask them and tell them, "Hey, you didn't put your projected time of return." Um, and they get angry. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, for one, they're having an ego problem. For one, um, they they have a real issue considering about their behavior. 
Um, they don't know how to actually control their behavior because they think that they're always right. Um, another thing is being checked on something like that, it, it does something to somebody, especially when they actually don't have their behavior in check. So now they're to the point where they're like, okay, why are they checking me? They don't have no right to check me. I don't gave all of the information that they actually need. Now, yes. So, Brother Alex, if somebody takes Shalom. a leave, Shalom, brother. somebody takes a leave, they don't give a projected return, they didn't take a leave because of a hardship, they don't pay their dues. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I would just like with me with that. Um, I'm just gonna be upfront. Uh, to me, it'd be like they're not being responsible, and I wouldn't even really think that they was really serious about being with the nation because it's all about action, and you got to put forth an effort, and just to not let you know the nation know that you're gonna take a leave, and not to let the nation know that you know that what when you would be back, uh, you know, you know, uh, not let the nation know that, you know, that you're going to take some time off and just to, to just leave and not pay your monthly dues. Because basically you're just saying that you don't even care no more. That's how I look at it. I'm just, that's it. So that's all I have to say right now. I'm actually traveling and traveling. Okay. Well, all the things I'm describing are things that I've gone through as an administrator dealing with the nation. And as I've looked at it, it shows the depth of the sickness of our people. Listen, Caucasians had their own problems. They had their own wickedness. But they are not our problem. They are far from our problem. If anything, as crazy as this is going to sound, they're part of our solution. <laughs> as crazy as that might sound. And why do I say that? Because they were selected by the Most High. The Scripture says in Deuteronomy 28, I will send you an enemy of fierce continents, an enemy whose language you won't understand. You know, they will swoop down on you like an eagle. And they are that ego. They are that that enemy of fierce continent. But it says that I will send you this if you do not obey what my laws, statutes, and commandments are. So the easiest way to defeat your this particular enemy is to correct yourself. It ain't got nothing to do with going after them with guns. One moment. One moment, please.
my apologies. There are some people that are going through emergencies, and, um, you know, I have to check these calls when they call to make sure they're okay. There's some people in the nation. My apologies for that break. Um, but anyway, I've gone through these things with people. Um, you know, what do you think about... Let me let me tell you something that happened in the nation. When we first started, officially, officially January of 2011, that's when we started coming out to the public. Now, there were judges. There were two judges, retired judges, and attorneys that were in the nation. And what happened with, with uh, the, the one that, it was a sister who was an attorney who was dealing with, a, she was uh, married to a brother. And he got in a car accident. Well, both of them did, but he was severely injured. And they had to um, take a leave, so they stepped back from the nation. One of the judges, the first judge, he was a retired judge. When he saw everything we were doing, he was really um, ecstatic about it. And he's like, this is correct. And he got to the point where um, he was so caught up in his life that he just he just couldn't continue and keep up with the studies. So he called and said, you know, brother, I apologize, but I can't, you know, keep up. But he was like, you keep it going. I'm going to, you know, try to get some things together and I'll get back with you. Second judge is a man also, retired judge in his uh, 60, I think he's like 64. Something happened to him with his family. He ended up coming back to the nation later and then ended up leaving out again because of family troubles. And I'm saying this to say those types of people have come into the nation and have exited on good terms. On understanding, you know, hey, I'm doing going through this. Um, I need to lay off right now. And, you know, cool, I understand. Everybody goes through it. But here's the, here's the thing. There have been a couple of people that are, quote, unquote, rich in the million-dollar bracket, one which is supposed to be in the nation now but is allegedly on a leave. And never asked them for money, $21.51 a month are the dues. If you want to give donations, anything like that, that's your, um, you know, you're doing, 
but I'm not about to go ask you for money. And I had this conversation with one of the individuals who's in the millionaire bracket. Our problem is not money. So if you put up a million dollars for this nation today, that wouldn't solve or address the problems that we have. And I want to make this really, really, really simple and clear why that would be a worse thing for the the worst thing to happen to us. It's like this. If everybody's honest and responsible and stick to the, the, the few things that we have that are money requirements and you get the right education on your studies, you'll be able to generate funds. And the few funds that we ask for, $21.51 a month. And now we have some other things like, um, you know, IDs or things like that. But it's not like we're steady gouging and asking people for money. God forbid that, because that's not what this is about. And we don't let money be an issue as far as what determines who's here and, you know, but if you can't keep your word, that's a problem. Now, look, as long as we pay our dues and and support the other things that we need to be doing, um, yeah, donations and, and tithes and offerings and all that, that would be helpful. But if we, if we had enough people that are steady with just that, that would be all we need to do. But what happens is you run into people that have lots of money and then they claim they have a hardship. Now, for for me, I didn't come from money. So, so you know, I can't comprehend if you got a million dollars how it is that you can't pay $21.51. So, is Sister Crystal with you, brother? Sister Crystal? Yes. Sister Crystal, what are your thoughts on this thus far, what we're talking about, you know, with this part? Good on, brother. Um, Basically, I just think it shows, you know, in consideration for the nation and the people in the nation that are, you know, trying to uh, pay their dues and, you know, even beyond that, you know, be present in class and when they're supposed to be and be on their post when they're supposed to be as well. Um, And I think it's, you know, we don't do those things that you say that you're going to do as a form of disrespect. For yourself and for the for the individuals that you're supposed to be present and for the do that you're supposed to be doing with that I yield. Thank you, sister. Yeah, it is a form of disrespect. But I wanna show you I wanna share with us the other part of it. I'm setting this up so that we can see the bad things about us as a people. And this is one of them. 
these simple things now are what prevents us from a more expedient progress. But here's the thing. Our people are mentally damaged, spiritually damaged. We don't know how to conduct ourselves, and we owe it to our people to be patient and try to help them see where they are in error and hopefully help them see how to correct it. So you got to be a little bit lenient to some degree in certain areas and try and give people the benefit of the doubt because of the the extreme the extreme damage that is done to us. It ain't done by somebody else. I'm not blaming the Caucasoid. We shouldn't blame the Caucasoid because the Most High doesn't blame them. The Most High says, you Israelites, stiff-necked, stubborn, and rebellious. And I'm explaining to you how some of this stiff-necked stubbornness and and rebelliousness comes out. And this is how. On these simple things that really to me, the way it looks to me, this should be meaningless. But you get attitudes. You get rebelliousness. You get plots to try to get other people to do wrong. From these same people that claim to love what you're doing as a nation, what we're doing and building, they claim they, they claim all of that, but their actions show otherwise. So what happens is, here's another thing. Hey, Brother Priest, I want to help the nation grow. What can I do? What kind of responsibilities can I handle? Okay, well, you can help us do this. Two weeks later, they quit. Now, we got two weeks into it. Sometimes it's longer than that. I mean, sometimes it might be a month. or And I don't mean quit the nation. They quit doing what their responsibility. And I'm going to tell you the real. It's usually brothers. As a matter of fact, in these years since we've been doing this, it's been 99% brothers. I, I can only remember one sister that just outright quit. Now, some sisters have slacked and let go and didn't do it. Yeah, that some sisters have, but it's mostly brothers. And I'm saying, imagine you delegate responsibility to someone, you're counting on them to do it. They start doing it. The nation is dependent on them to do it. And then they quit a couple of weeks later. For me, that says to me as an administrator, I had to be more mindful and and be more um, selective on who can take these positions. Because anybody that cries wolf, I mean, they just huffing and puffing. So if you can see what I'm saying. And these would be the very people that say, hey, I'm a noble, hey, I love my people, Um, 
worship the Most High. But when it comes down to responsibility, simple matters of respect and discipline, our people lack. A great number of our people do. They do. And when you point it out to them, not in a mean and malicious way, just by saying, hey, you didn't give us a projected date of your return. Do you have a projected date of your return? And you get an attitude thrown at you for that? Do you see, Jaquin, I mean, Jaquin, excuse me, I'm thinking of Brother Jaquin. Jaquin, do you see what I'm saying about the troubles that our people have? Do you see what I'm trying to describe here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I see what you are saying. And do you do you see why I'm trying to say you have to be patient? You just you don't always want to just come down on them and stuff like that. You want to try to help one another. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it, it makes sense to want to help one another and help. Oh, right, can you hear me good? Is my phone breaking up? Uh, I can hear you just fine. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense to want to uh, want to help help each other, you know, and help um with you know as an administrator. But at some point, you know, um, the responsibility still has to be the individuals because if you make a uh, a verbal contract or a bond or agreement with the nation and say, "Yeah, I'm going to do this," and then you quit. I mean, as a that that is not a good thing as a as a man. You know, and I, I'm seeing what you're saying because you said mostly the men do that, and um, well, yeah, most of our men I see, you know, not just in the nation or I see around us, most of our men do have problems. With that, we always we always say something, but we don't try to hold up to what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's the way I see it. It's like, yeah, it's good to help, you know, but at at some point, it's the personal responsibility. Yes, sir. And uh, my point is, sometimes you gotta. In law, they have what they what they call um, I forget the terminology, but in law you can make um, harmless mistakes. That's the best way I can describe describe it. I can't remember the actual terminology, but um, you can make harmless mistakes. Like for instance, sometimes we you know we do make mistakes, and courts and judges will be lenient on you when you make small mistakes because they're looking at the content of your character and the consistency of your behavior. So I'm going to tell you something that happened. This just happened. One of the best brothers that has ever come into this nation was, I want to say, what is this? Maybe like a month behind on their dues, right? And the brother calls me up. Brother, is it okay that I'm coming to class? I don't want to get put out of class. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> you know, it's like, man, I just felt bad, man. I felt guilty. 
And, I mean, he really felt guilty. And that type of thing happens sometimes. So that's like a, a harmless thing. And you don't have to uh, harp on that. And I'm explaining to him, man, listen, you're consistent. You're a solid brother. Man, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you're not that type. But then you have others who are the exact opposite of that. You know, they're not, they're very inconsiderate. And even those people, we have to be an example to say, look, we can give you some leeway to make some mistakes. Some of your mistakes may be conscious, some of them may not. But we still have a protocol and rules of thumb that we go by. So we're going to remind you, hey, you didn't put in your projected time of return. We're going to remind you, hey, you didn't put in a hardship letter. You know, these types of things. And if those types of things offend you and you're not willing to correct yourself, it shows where our people are. And why, really, why we're in this condition as a whole, because there's too many of our people that are like that. You know, there's a, a large number of people, of our people that are not, and those are the ones we want predominantly in here. We want to keep those other kind of people out, but if they get in for whatever, whatever kind of reason, we want to have love and patience and understanding, not take any of the BS, Get him, stick to the law, stick to the rules of thumb. These are the rules of thumb that we go by. And if you just outright rank and you just cause mischief, we will call a tribunal, which is a a court session of those who have been, uh, as a jury, we will have those who have, have been in this, the nation um, for a while, that's who we have as a jury, and we will call a, a, a tribunal and deal with it from that point. But thus far, we haven't had to call one. We've had situations where we, we've had maybe two or three situations we could have called one, but for the most part, um, a lot of these people get weeded out. Um, they they quit. They get angry. Like, I'm the same way all the time. I treat people the same way all the time. And I don't talk about them. I don't attack them. I don't put their personal business out there. And when you stick to those principles, it brings out the worst in people. You start to see all the hate and the anger, and the actual straight-up real demonic possession. How you're doing something that's respectful, you're doing something that's spiritual and disciplined, 
and they're angry at you for it. They, there's a spirit in them that does not like righteous behavior. And they take your, your behavior, being good and truthful and honest, they take that as an attack or a threat on them. And they get angry with you. And you have done nothing to them. Now, what I want to say to you, yes, go ahead. Somebody say something. Somebody say something. What I want to say is, when you are in a position of walking a righteous path, hear me good. It's just like you are a police officer, a politician, a judge. That is the same role. Because the people that are supposed to be in those seats are supposed to have that kind of conduct. That's number one. Now, not all of them do, of course, but they're supposed to have that kind of conduct. But what I mean is you have police that are just no good people. But then you have police that are good people. And when you are in a role as a policeman to serve and protect, or so they say, the public, that is basically love a responsibility for your community, your nation, your people. Because you're supposed to protect your nation. You're supposed to serve your nation. And in serving your nation, I don't mean as a slave, but I mean in upholding your responsibility. You serve the Most High. Now, what happens when you run into criminals? who have villainized you. And this is what you run into with these psychological, spiritual impairments. You run into people like that that don't understand that about your path. And they villainize you. Well, you want to be Lenient, meaning I'm not going to cite you with a ticket. I'm going to give you a warning. You made a casual mistake. Clean yourself up. I'm going to let you go this time. Then they keep repeating, and then it becomes it becomes air apparent that they're not trying to work on themselves. Well, now that I, I got to bring the law down on you. I gave you a warning before. How many times have I caught you doing this? Now I got to bring the law down on you. I'm telling you, you don't have to have a position and a seat of government, but it is like you are the police. It is like you are the president. It's like you are the governor, the mayor, the city council. It's like you're the judges. They killed this woman judge and threw her in the harbor. They killed the man judge in Chicago, 66. Killed him. 
that's because you got people that don't respect these roles that these people play in society. The Bible calls those kind of people beasts. And they are beasts. You got a bunch of Negro beasts. I'm, I'm dealing with our people. I ain't saying nobody else has beasts amongst them. Of course they do, especially the Caucasoid. He's the beast of the earth. But I'm saying we have beasts and savages among us. And when you follow the path of the Christ, the prophets, the scriptures, when you're trying to live this kind of life, they show their criminality. BK, is that making sense? So long, yes, sir. It does. It makes perfect sense. So, you have to be patient. You have to act in that civilized capacity. But when they're repeat offenders, then you have to execute law. That's what it is like being an administrator in this nation. Trying to say, you know, I don't, I I haven't ever in my life had a, a, a police officer insult me. Like call me a nigger or call me out of my name. That's never happened to me. So I don't know that experience. But I know this, following the example of the Christ and him saying to the people, this is what you're doing wrong, clean it up. And in turn, they hate him. They attack him. Some of them, like Judas, walk with him and then betray him. That life is your life when you walk this path. Whether you're administrator or minister or not, you're walking in the path of truth. And my point is, that is your life. And you got to know how to stay away from those types of people. but yet be just and fair in how you deal with them. So it's it's work, but as long as we weed out bad people or don't let them in, be patient, give them a chance to make their mistakes and grow, it's just like you if you have a child, you don't you're not going to just the child makes the first mistake, you're not just going to haul off and just spank them. You're going to say, hey, don't do this. If you do this, this is going to happen. And they do it again, and it might make you angry. You might not spank them then. You might just put them on punishment. And they do it again, and then you know that they're consciously repeating this. Now you might spank them because now they need some pain. They need some pain on that behind so that they can remember, this hurts when I do this wrong thing. That's all the Most High is trying to was doing with us. You Negroes keep doing these same things over and over 
So now I'm going to bring the pain. And hopefully you'll remember this pain and get out of that behavior so that you don't go through this pain again. But what did the Negro do? Most High spanks us. He takes a belt called the, the Romans, the Caucasians, the slave trade, takes the belt and spanks us. Then we turn around and say, the belt is the devil. <laughs> the belt is the devil. The punishment is the devil. That is in complete insanity. If you don't know the full picture, it's insanity. If you only know part of it, then it makes sense why you villainize the pain. I get that. But when you really get the full picture here, that is our behavior, our idolatry that got us put into slavery, then you'll understand why the punishment was so harsh. You Pain leaves a memory. It leaves a memory. And when you start thinking about doing that act again, you're supposed to also remember that pain. And the pain is supposed to make you say, I don't want that pain. I need to stop acting this way. Brother Yakin, does that make sense? Because you can't, because it's uh, with the punishment thing. That's that's just, that's exactly how it is. Because uh, like you said, you got to have some kind of mercy for people. Like you can't just punish them as soon as they do one thing wrong. That you know, say that that's exactly right. I'm that truly um believe that you know that that's the same way I see it. And as far as uh, as far as the uh, what you just said about. But um, yeah, I, I can't. Sorry, I'm, I'm driving, so I'm paying some driving. I'm trying to talk at the same time. Yeah, I agree. With, I, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Though. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, brother Rami. What, what are your thoughts about that? You're absolutely right. I, um. It's all a behavior, about the behavior, not you. Yeah, it, it, all, it all begins with us as individual souls, like Akeem was speaking about. You know, you got to have some individual responsibility. When, when a brother can think like that, and he's just getting in the nation, that speaks for his character. He was already like that. That's a principle of his life. And the point is, we're trying to recultivate this back into our the principles of life. I don't know if I'm the oldest. I think I might be the oldest one on the line. I'm 46. I'm telling you, the behaviors that you see amongst our people today, hear me good. This was unheard of in the 70s. Literally unheard of. Literally. There was not, you, you all got to hear me. I have lived long enough to see this. There was not a bunch of fornication. There was not adultery. There was not a bunch of drug use. There were no gangs. Gangs started coming up in the late, to mid to late 70s. I was still in my young years, 
I was born in 1970, but I remember when gangs and drugs first started coming in our community. I'm telling you, in my lifetime, when I was eight years old, seven and eight years old, I vividly remember we would go to sleep at night, and I was in Detroit. Could leave your front door open all night long in the summertime. You ain't had to even lock the screen door. You did not worry about somebody coming in your house and robbing you. There were no bars on the windows. In Detroit now, everybody's house got bars on their windows. There was no bulletproof glass. If you go to Detroit, a whole lot of the restaurants got bulletproof glass. I mean like the fast food restaurants. Most of them have bulletproof glass. Little Caesars, McDonald's, bulletproof glass. A lot of them have it. There's some that don't have it, but there are a lot that do. The local Coney Island restaurant, Detroit is the, 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 the capital of Coney Island restaurants. Bulletproof glass. None of this was when I was a child. I remember specifically leaving my bicycle on my front lawn every night for the entire summer. Then I remember when all of a sudden, if you did it, your bike started missing and bikes started coming up missing. I remember when marijuana invaded our communities for the first time. We were still acting pretty good as a community, even though weed was coming in. But when that crack hit, it was all over. But my point, I mean, they had there were some heroin addicts every now and then, but it wasn't an epidemic of mass irrational and savage behavior. There were marriages. There was mom and dad in the home raising the children. They were um, purchasing their homes. They had mortgages. Now you got baby mamas and baby daddies. You got whores, hookers on the streets, pimps, drug dealers. I'm telling you, none of that was, it was unheard of. It was unheard of. If some, if a Negro killed a Negro, it, there wasn't even any murders in our communities when I was growing up. In Detroit, which became the murder capital in the 80s, okay, there was none of that. Something switched off. We took on the behaviors of other cultures, the ideas of other people. We abandoned our solid principles. When I was growing up, I was taught, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I was taught that my parents were, were not just my mother and father. My parents were the whole neighborhood. Literally, if anybody in this neighborhood, or particularly on your block, and they knew whose child you were, and they witnessed that they were an adult, and they witnessed you doing something, they would walk you down to your parents' house, or they'd come back later 
and say, yeah, I saw your son out there doing such and such and such and such. Now imagine if we still had that. Anybody else live this, by the way? Anybody? <laughs> wow. Wow. It's the exact opposite now, right? You got to... You, you walk down the street, you you lucky. You know, one of the brothers, I don't know if you all know, Bernard, Minister of, of Communications. Yeah, I might have said that wrong earlier, but Minister of Communications, Bernard, just a couple of weeks ago, three young Negroes walked up on him and knocked him over the back of the head with a pipe or something. This is what we're facing, straight-out, savage behavior. We can't say that it's somebody else's fault alone. When When I can tell you, I know that there are people older than me that have witnessed that we did not used to act like this. But today, I can see in the 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, white man's the devil. That made sense. I can see where it made more sense back then. That would make sense then. But today, I'm telling you, the only devils that I've grown up around are Negroes. Savages. And it just switched on one day, just like all of a sudden, boom. Lazy bums. Excuse-making, blame-shifting, liars. Don't want to be accountable for their own affairs. All of a sudden, now they got to sell drugs. Regardless of, of what we claim is the origin of it, I've in my lifetime seen us act civilized, and I've seen us act uncivilized, so I know we can do it. It's just today we had these messed up behaviors. So as we're going over this and we're explaining the structure of the nation, it's equally, as I've grown to know, important that we understand why these things are in place and the types of personalities that we deal with and how to deal with them. We don't just want to go at them and just, you know, be hardcore and just throw them out just because they make it um, one mistake. Being conscious or unconscious, being intentional or unintentional, I was a child that did intentional wrongs before. It's just when I got spanked once, you ain't had to spank me again. I got it. I am not doing it again. I don't like that feeling. That's what we should have got out of this. That's what we should be getting. Um, so I covered the nation, the temples, um, some of the responsibilities. Oh, let me cover the curriculum. So we, when we originally started, we didn't have this this class in this form called Seed of Thought. But the the idea was eventually we would have a seed of thought class. But when we first started, we had a nucleus class. 
See the thought is relative to this. I study with the elders of the order of Melchizedek. And they said something to us. They said thought in its grossest form is matter. Thought in its grossest form is matter. When things come into fruition, they begin with a thought. And the thought is the seed that brings that thought into physical form. The thought of the Most High brought the physical form of the universe of physical flesh and blood living beings, be they animals, insects, or so-called humans. It began in the thought mind, energy of the Most High Almighty. So, it's important to understand that from thought, from seed of thought, we go to nucleus. So, from that which begins in the mind, now coming into physical form, it begins with the formation of atoms, A-T-O-M-S, molecules contain atoms. The nucleus of, a, of an atom is the matter that springs forth from the thought that began in the Most High's mind. We, as flesh and blood living souls, likewise have that ability. You, if you understand what I'm saying here, how you think and what you think can actually germinate into physical existence. And I don't mean if you think of a six-legged elephant is going to come about. That's not what I mean. I mean how you think. If you think negatively, you're going to draw negative things into your life and produce negative things. Which is why you see the sudden shift of our people and how we deal with each other. There was a mind shift in our state of mind that we went from black power, black love, black is beautiful, natural hair, what are our roots and all this. I don't mean the movie, but, you know, what is our heritage? Now we niggas and dogs. We call ourselves niggas and dogs. When they called us that, we said, no, we're kings and queens. We have black love when they called us that. So they backed up off us, now all of a sudden we're niggas and dogs and bitches, excuse my language. Commonplace. Commonplace. Women address one another. That's my bitch. 
men dress women as that's my bitch. We dress brothers. What up, dog? And this is socially acceptable. That's my hoe. This is socially acceptable. Now, the nucleus class is to is designed to begin to show you once your thought process has a foundation to really think better and clearly on how things work and why they happen the way they happen. Now you're bringing something into physical form. So a nucleus, you go over history, but you go over um, documentation. Why do we do documents the way that we do in order to establish our legal and lawful freedom? Your foundation has to be with the scriptures and the laws, statutes, and commandments of the Most High Almighty. And then you'll understand why the scriptures are talking about laws, statutes, and commandments and why that is our remedy because you must enforce these laws, statutes, and commandments and live by them and tell the world, this earth, that that's who and what you are. So now that which was one in your mind and being cultivated, now it comes into physical form through your action activity. It's manifesting in the physical form. Then when you get from nucleus class, we have Aboriginal Academy, which is in, broken down into three degrees. Aboriginal Academy, first degree. Aboriginal Academy, second degree. Aboriginal Academy, third degree. We have listed Aboriginal Academy third degree as the highest of degrees. Now, I'm going to explain why we use degrees. Our original Hebrew people had what they call 360 degrees of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And it's formulated into a perfect circle and is broken down into 12 sections And the idea was, in our scholastic system, we're the ones that originally had schools and universities, even before Luxor, even before Egypt, we had the original schools. We had these degrees of knowledge based on advanced mathematics. So... When you go to a university, that's what they're doing today. The reason why they give you, when you graduate, you get a degree, what they're not telling the people is that they're supposed to be giving you a degree based on 360 degrees. But these, their scholastic system does not have 360 degrees. Now, their scholastic system, I'm going to explain this so you understand how this is relative to us, but you got to be able to see this. Their scholastic system has what they call plus degrees. So 
anything over one or two degrees of knowledge in their system cannot be achieved in a university. You've never heard of a seventh degree in a university. You heard of an eighth degree black belt, right? It's based on 360 degrees of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, even in that science of martial arts. But in the scholastic system of America, you don't hear of, oh, I'm a fourth degree such and such. Because those what they call plus degrees are only held in fraternal orders and what people are calling secret societies. Those are where the plus degrees are held. And the only way you get to those plus degrees from their people is you have to be, quote, unquote, tapped on the shoulder by a so-called secret society. And I say so-called because they're societies that hold secrets. They're not secret societies. If they were secret societies, you wouldn't even know they exist. But they're societies that hold secrets. And fraternal orders and sororities, that's where the plus degrees are. So Freemasonry has 33 degrees as their highest. So guess what? If you go to a, a normal school or university and you get, let's say, a master's degree in such and such, they gave you one degree. They're not even telling you where the other degrees are. They're not going to tell you. You have to be selected to step into those plus degrees. All this is based on Hebrew science, by the way. Now, when you go, one moment. Oh, um, can you give me like, oh, Lord, can you give me like 10 minutes? Well, I can leave it here. Okay. Okay. Um, So the plus degrees, anything over one, two, or three, if you become a Freemason and you go to the 33rd degree, now you got 36 degrees if you got three from a university, which mostly never happens. Usually you only get one. But if you go through the, the highest of height, you only got 34 degrees if you go through the highest of height of Freemasonry. How that came to be, the original Freemasons were stone masons, brick masons, the original ones were knights of King Solomon. They worked for King Solomon. 
there were degrees of 360 degrees in our original scholastic system. So, as I say all the time, the highest degree in their scholastic system in, in front is the lowest degree of knowledge. Nobody that has 33 degrees is in the mental same place as somebody that doesn't even have a degree. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying Freemasons are um, the best people. They started off as working for King Solomon. Eventually, they got infiltrated by the Romans. So all the stuff you hear about them, it came from the Romans infiltrating us, particularly after the death of King Solomon. So I'm saying this is why this nation is broken down into the highest degree being the third degree of Aboriginal Academy. Because all that you gain from from a seat of thought to the third degree is like a degree in and of itself every time you come to a new realization of the truth of what's going on on this planet. Not a philosophy, not an opinion. Dealing with the facts and the truth put out in front of you, you might learn different things as you go along. Even from outside sources, but you have to have the foundation to understand what's actually going on on this earth. Once you get to the third degree, you're going over and putting into um, action everything that you studied from the day you walked in to see the thought. And if you make it to that point, by that point, you should be having some type of control over all of your affairs, if possible. So, Brother Jossier, 28 years old, married, has a couple of children, had his house built from the ground up. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. He just moved in the house last month. All off of what he learned in this nation. He accomplished it. And he's 28 years old. He applied himself. He had his own business two and and a half years ago. Now, he only does his business part-time, but at one time he did his business full-time. He accomplished that two and a half years ago. And this is what we can all accomplish. Kedrick, who is of elder age, he's in the third degree. He got... um, he got to the point where he has a, a, a rental property. Sticking with the curriculum. This is what we intend to produce. If you stick with it, we want to continue to have you progress. It's not about getting material good. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But having the proper education is where it all lays. So uh, with that, I'm going to adjourn for today. Um, I should be posting some new stuff in there. 
um, for you, uh, Brother Joaquin, Joaquin, excuse me. And um, we'll be back here again next week. So thank you all for being here. We can adjourn for today. Shalom.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.